I mean, from the very beginning, the development of the first cell divided into two cells. This whole purpose of life has been to pass on what was learned. There was no higher purpose. So if you're asking me what to do with all this knowledge you're accumulating, I say, pass it on. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. I'm home. Ryan, is you home? Bartek, I'm home. I'm home. Come in then, Ryan, to home. Thank you. As any old-fashioned sitcom would say, they would uh, walk in and say, Honey, I'm home! And then everyone come would in, applaud. Come in, My Fair Lucy. <gasps> my Fair Lucy? Talking about My Fair Lucy, we are in fact Spit and Polish Presents, likingly, because we're always spitting. We're both Polish, and we're presenting to you a podcast in which we talk about something in particular. And on this podcast, we are doing Pictures Power, where we talk about a movie that has come recommended on the recommendations it goes into a certain rhythm a certain beat a certain cycle Bartek launches us off and then the week after it is I to follow through and then you the listening people catch the ball at the end to pass it back to Bartek and talking about Bartek uh it's actually in fact your turn now to tell us a bit about Polish culture and what's been going on you know, Ryan, you ask this question a lot, but you never contributed. I actually do, and that's a lie. Don't you, in fact, say that? There have actually been instances where I've said things have been going on, and you don't know. And Fuck you. I don't know, Ryan. I can't think of any examples, and you know my memory is great. <laughs> His memory is pitch perfect. Please listen to any episode we've done on the show to to prove this point. <laughs> Please don't bring any any examples that say otherwise. I like when you when you mentioned the cycle, you were like Bartek launches us off. It's like, ooh, sci-fi. And then at the end it's like and listen, people pass the ball back. It's like, oh now it's sport. It's all <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> Ryan's got a thing on his door and it just fell. You spooked me. <laughs> well, your door's spooked up. Should I put it up? Nah, leave it alone. No, I'll put it up. All right. It's going to fall. It'll, it'll it's going to f- fall like this. Sure. If okay. it falls again, it fell again. Uh, but I was sitting down at the same time, so I didn't hear it. You will leave it there. Yeah. It'll well, be fine. It won't spook me again. Um, Hold on. Hold on. What? <laughs> Let's just slow the brakes. <laughs> For fuck's sake, I'm not keeping all that in. Oh. Boy, oh boy, because you scared me. I don't want you oh, to Ryan scare the listening people. Oh, Ryan doesn't want him to be scared. People. I don't want you to scare the listening well, just people. Just start, start, start with a, not trigger warning, but like disclaimer, like there will be a scare at this point. <laughs> <laughs> there will be blood. <laughs> Spooky month may be over, but we've got the real scare in this episode, <laughs> guys. <laughs> nothing scarier than that. Please keep it in. Okay, guys, if you got scared, blame Bartek. So got- for further clarification... Uh, part of st- soundproofing in the room fell down, and Bartek got scared like a little bit. Because like it's a less than a meter from me. It's little bit. It's what, not what, in what's my room. What the foam is going to fall on you and hurt you? Well, it wasn't a rational thing. It made a noise. Exactly. It's not rational, and that's why I'm making fun. I thought. I thought I'm someone, making fun. I thought someone was banging I'm on the door. Fun. I actually thought the door was opening and someone was coming in. And, and it was your dad, <laughs> and he says, 
Honey, I'm home. <laughs> yes, like, oh, I brought it back. My, I brought it my back. fair daddy. Hello, <laughs> my, that's what he calls them. <laughs> What's daddy in Polish? Um, so I, the I would say tatush. So it's like tato is like dad. Tatush would be like a cutesy dad. So tati, tatush. That's Polish culture brought to you by Bartek. And in fact, Bartek, you recommended the film of discussion. So please inform us yeah. all on what it is. I, I launched us with a sci-fi film. Don't don't fall soundproofing to scare Bart. <laughs> I've got my eye on you, which is bad because that means my mouth has to aim at the microphone. You idiot! You have to choose your battles. The, so what did listen you? Listen, the microphone's at my twelve o'clock, and the thing that made the noise is at my like three o'clock. So I have to turn ninety degrees to look at it. So what did you give us to do as homework this week? Well. Funnily enough, Ryan, you were referencing I Love Lucy, and the film that I picked happens to have one of those words in it. And before you make the joke that it's I or love, it is Lucy from 2014. Nine nine years ago, Lucy came out, and I saw it in the cinema. Same. I saw it after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a phenomenal film, a real surprise. I saw that on the cinema too. Guardians was an unexpected you know, film. No one no one was really thinking that these goofballs would be as cool and fun as they were. And now we're here to talk about Lucy. Lucy didn't have the wood guy. It did not. Well, you know, that French actor guy was pretty wooden, but we'll <laughs> talk one? about, you know, the, the main one she's teamed up with, like the detective. Ah, right. Sure. But no, Lucy 2014 starring Scarlett Johansson, directed and written by Luc Besson who is well-known, of course, for Leon the Professional, The Fifth Element, and a, a myriad of others. We would go on to do Valerian in The City of a Thousand Planets. And we are going to be talking about Lucy in depth and spoilers. So if you have not seen the film, recommend that you give it a watch. It is a movie with the pitch of what if a human being used 100% of their brain what would happen? What could be achieved through this pseudoscience mumbo-jumbo? Action set pieces, that's what will be achieved. As stated, we both saw this in the cinema all of those years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember not having too many you know, thoughts about it going in. I was just like, oh, you know, Scarlett Johansson, action movie with a mild sci-fi premise. Could be good, could be bad. I wanted to see another movie at the cinema that day, so, oh, what's on? Oh, Lucy. It was just one of those, you know, we'll just go with whatever. And I remember viscerally my journey of growing dissatisfaction, despondency, and disdain for Lucy as it went along, because the first 10 or so minutes, maybe 15 to be generous, I thought were pretty good, like, interesting i'm like okay you're actually building some tension here the 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 way that this character is being introduced as this ditzy uh, uh almost like a far cry type character in which it's like like the video game series far cry like this is like far cry 3's exact premise it's like party dickhead on a vacation in a foreign land gets swooped up in an international uh, drug ring conspiracy and through through the course of adventures and these drugs becomes a hardened, bitter killer. Uh, that's kind of what I, I, I liked about the opening. Scarlett Johansson gives a really emotional performance. Uh, and then she gets the drugs. 
and they make her into a character that you can no longer attach yourself to in any way, shape, or form. And so you're left with just the premise of, okay, what happens when she gets to 100%? And that's it. And I remember my my absolute despair at that because for the little glimpse of what this movie could have been, I was actually enjoying it. Like, I don't believe, I'm not an idiot. I know the whole 100% of your brain thing is all, like, garbage and it wouldn't actually do this type of stuff but that's a sci-fi premise and sometimes with a sci-fi story you just have to buy the premise of things that aren't possible uh and aren't probable and she just gets god powers and i then had to sit there for what felt like hours watching mindless nothingness it's not even as if the action wasn't bad but it was always i never forget this of your action can be good. Your 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 action can be great, but it means nothing if I don't have any stakes in the game. Mm. And that's what happened with Lucy. I'll never forget how palpable it was walking out of that cinema, seeing a protagonist go from relatable to just a a, a void, a nothingness, and with no seemingly good reason or purpose to it because there is that there is an artistry to making your character slowly become you know inhuman and godlike and whatever but lucy just didn't find that find that uh special recipe yeah it is funny to think back on like this film is 90 minutes long and for like 75 of those minutes she's basically unstoppable yeah <laughs> and everything kind of goes her way except for like one time mm. and even then it was just for a few minutes. <laughs> and over the years, I've thought about Lucy in that realm of, here's an example of the importance of your protagonist. If you don't have your protagonist down pat, it's not even to say that you need to make them interesting. You need to at least make them constructed in a way in which there's a journey. Mm. And Lucy just is, I always remember it just completely, just completely blows it in this way. So, that's my history and relationship with Lucy. Uh, what about you, and why did you recommend this? So I saw this movie in cinemas with my mum, uh, and back then, for a lot of films, I walked in pretty blind. Like, I don't even think I'd seen a trailer. Um, I don't think I knew much about it. Um, I think I had seen Leon the Professional at that point, so maybe I knew it was Luc Besson. Uh, maybe not. But I remember you know, walking in and it ha- it establishes its premise pretty well. You know, you get all those scenes of Morgan Freeman explaining uh, the theory and then his own hypothesis about it. And then you see that kind of whole thing play out and develop with Lucy. Um, and I remember overall walking out satisfied. Like it was, oh yeah, that was an interesting movie. Like, you know, seeing the creative ways the creative things that they came up with like oh what what happens at these percentages and how does it increase um and it's basically basic point walking away with general positive feelings um and then i remember and we went into this a little bit last week uh telling my friends about it and one of them oliver who it's been a few years but he's been on our podcast a few times he was too afraid to come on this time (laughs) he was asked and he said no because he's a coward indirectly asked you know don't slander him but i will coward coward fucking you should have come on but go on (laughs) um 
And he had a very visceral reaction to it. Like, uh, he hadn't seen it, but he'd heard about it. And he was just completely, you know, slamming it, saying that the science that it was based off of is, is bullshit and it's ridiculous. And I thought to myself, like, well, you know, it's, it's just a movie. Like, obviously... Even the movie says this about the, the, the premise of, like, students ask Morgan Freeman, like, isn't this bullshit? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a silly premise, but it had you know, action and visuals that went along with it. So it was a good enough experience. And I think most people uh, would see that about the film. And then pretty much from that moment on, when Oliver had his reaction, most of the talk I'd ever heard about this movie was people kind of hating it for similar reasons. And that kind of made me think for these last nine years, like, oh, was it not as good as I remembered it? So it's always been one of those ones that I had in the back of my mind of like, I need to see that one again and kind of give it a, you know, re-evaluation because, you know, my even now my point still stands at like, oh yeah, it wasn't meant to be science nonfiction. It, and yeah. even in the trivia, Luc Besson mentions like, you know, I was making this movie for like a decade and at some point this theory became bullshit, but it was still an interesting enough premise to make a movie out of. I, I, I've never had an issue with that part of it. Like, I don't give a shit about the real science or not. Like, this is the idea. Like, this is our little concept, and we're going to explore it, and it's mainly just a way of elevating our action set pieces as well as maybe existential themes. Okay, get it. Done. Good. There's so many great science fiction films out there that is like, well, that's bullshit. Wouldn't happen. Like, time travel doesn't exist, by the way. Did you know that? Did you know that? Does <laughs> Look, that mean yeah. the Terminator films that are like Terminator 1 and 2, does that mean they're awful movies because time travel doesn't actually exist and you can't actually achieve it? No. It's fine. Like At, at the end of the day, there is a definition to the word fiction. <laughs> and I was actually looking forward to seeing this again because I remember that first 10 to 15 minutes being exhilarating with one mm. caveat to it, which is the stock footage. Oh, yeah, that it kept cutting that to. it kept cutting to of animals. I remember being dumbfounded by when I saw it in the cinema. Like literally my jaw opened because you don't need it. What you're doing in this moment is communicating. This is pandering. In fact, it's insulting to the audience. We know what you're. We know what these serve, and it's too much. Just live and breathe in your gritty little crime adventure that you've got here. Live in that. Just do that. And I remember that being like such a weird thing because the movie drops it. Mm. It's only in that like opening act where it does the cutting to stock footage. We cut to other footage that's intend in relation to that stock footage in a way of like the creation of man and you know the first woman and so on and so forth, the original Lucy. But it was it was such a memorable choice to me yeah. and one that was poor. It was like what a so poor choice for, to for, make. For listening people that don't, haven't seen the film, the first fifteen minutes is basically our main character Lucy, you know, fairly normal like college girl. Um, gets into this situation where she has to hand a briefcase over for some clearly seedy deal. And then the mob that she handed the briefcase in basically like abducts her and forces her into this like drug deal. And you keep getting interspersed these stock footage of, was it like che cheetahs mm -hmm. hunting antelope? And it's meant to, it's beating you over the head with like, she's the antelope and they're the cheetahs. Yeah, leopards or cheetahs or yeah. whatever. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Yeah, it, it's too obvious. And but 
the first 15 minutes or so is what I remembered liking. Yeah, like this it was great this, thriller. The, 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 this, this bright, bubbly girl who's gotten in over her head, and now she's having to face off against this truly intimidating, if not cartoonish, but truly intimidating Asian crime gang. The actor who plays the, the head of this uh, syndicate is the guy from Old Boy. I love that movie. I love that actor and he still still is the best part of the film just because of the actor's presence i don't need him to speak english to yeah. be a good performer like, that guy was a charismatic villain he didn't need di- like just his expressions everything about him just the way he carried himself is so like build the film around that and so it's always left its mark when it came to that and then obviously the joke is spoilers again if you haven't seen lucy People go, oh yeah, and then the, and then and then Scarlett Johansson becomes a USB. Like yeah, she becomes like a a, 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 a USB stick at the end for Morgan Freeman yeah, to have. Yeah, yeah. And it's like how funny. Uh, but I was actually very keen to revisit this, especially because of that opening act. I was like, man, I want to see that opening act again because I did get visceral fun out of her grabbing the belt and whipping it around the table and dragging the gun over and cocking it and doing the badass like I'm a lady with a gun shit. And so I was very, very keen on that. And then the rest of it, I will be honest, I was dreading because I was just like, (laughs) all I remember is Scarlett Johansson with a blank expression, just doing anything. And it was very dull. And I have a big problem with Scarlett Johansson as an actress because of that particular thing, which is she's a very skilled performer. She's a talented performer, great voice. She has a great voice, does great voice work. Um... But there's so many movies that I've seen waste her because she just does this like a monotone, blank faced expression thing. Mm. And it's just a waste of a talent. And I just go, oh, (laughs) she doesn't need to act. She just needs to be pretty. It's funny to think of myself pre rewatching this movie last night because I objectively remembered the fact that the character she is at the beginning and the character she is after, you know, the turn is different. But I was still really thrown off by, like, how jarring it was to jump from one to the other. How quick it is, too. Yeah, how quick it is, too. But that, that I mean, that first 15, 20 minutes did pace itself well. But, yeah, like, the immediate jump and then for, the, like I said, the last 70 minutes, you do have the very stoic character who just speaks facts kind of thing. <laughs> so... What were your feelings overall towards this and or things that you were, I, I mean, I just talked about, but what, what, what were some elements of this that you were actually looking forward to revisiting and how did you feel about the movie? Um. So, yeah, I would say that I was looking forward to seeing how it all plays out again, you know, remembering the structure of it, remembering that there was that whole uh, constant going back to like, oh, this is this percentage now, this percentage now and seeing how it escalates. Um, to seeing like the weird little things that happened there. Um, I was a big fan of the 70% one, I'll say that now. Um, and also, like I said, with my reason for choosing it, like seeing if I actually think the film is still good, if I still like it. Um, and I do still like it, but I definitely see that, yeah, there there is uh, there's no doubt things to criticize about this one. And you've kind of gone into some of them too with the the jarring switch. Um, and also even comparing it to like th- those first 15 minutes, that last five sixths of the film, it-, it feels like a different person kind of made this film. So I hated this when I watched it last night mm-hmm. because 
and this is applicable to things that have been on the podcast before, perhaps, which is I since I had seen the film before, I knew how it was going to play out. There was no uh, surprise element. There was no giving the film the benefit of the doubt because I haven't seen it before. Yeah, I knew what was ahead of me, and it did not challenge any of the things that I needed challenging. And so I was bored beyond words, and that's hard because I'm going to podcast about it. Right. <laughs> I was built. I was truly numb to this. I. I. And so I hate it. It goes around to being hate. I just. I, I and I just wish I could at least loathe it for like funny reasons. Like, oh, that was a weird. But no, a lot of the reasons are just simple mistakes made of storytelling. I don't like any of the characters, not a single one. And that's that's a bare minimum you need in your movie. Hmm. Even uh, Lucy herself. Yeah, maybe I liked the premise of her character in the first five to ten minutes, but that doesn't mean I like her character. When they tried to do that uh, scene where she phones, when they did that scene where she phones her mum and she's tearfully, you know, talking about things as they cut her open, I couldn't help but think about, like, Garth Marenghi's dark place in terms of, like, how much they're trying to milk the sincerity of this to manipulate me, the audience, into thinking that this means something. And it was just yeah. so hollow and empty. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that for you, Ryan, because I had similar feelings, but I did find a lot of it funny how it was, you know, kind of failing or not really working. Like uh, that scene there, like the mum even wasn't really emoting as much. Like it, it really, like obviously the scene was, the, the mum was dubbed in, but like mm-hmm. the fact that I'm thinking like, oh, this is a dubbed in line really highlights how, yeah, this wasn't a natural fluid back and forth. And again, there is some minor humor to be had, but I just, I cannot get beyond the choice, the the illogical choice, the the truly, not illogical, but, but, but poor choice of within 10 minutes, our main character is an automaton emotionless, consequence-free. Mm. Not only because she has superpowers, but she no longer has mor- morals. It's like, there's that operation scene where she walks in like in that operating room and she just shoots the person on the thing and flips them over and then has like this deadpan line of like, you couldn't have saved them anyway, so just do this. And yeah. it's like, okay... It, like what am I supposed like, to, even, like what am I supposed to get from you? Like even before that, like when she got a ride with the taxi guy, she just shot the the guy he was talking to, and like with the operating one, she at least had the excuse of like you weren't gonna save him, so I just you know fast forwarded so but, that you can help me. But with that other guy, but did you like that? That was the first time we got subtitles, so we could hear the dub line of him saying "Ow, my leg, my leg." <laughs> And that was before her brain had caught up to the ability to understand languages other than her own. That was literally the first time we had subtitles for any of the Asian people speaking was so that we, the audience, could be content that he was alive. Hmm. So that way, uh, you can't be angry at Lucy because she didn't kill him. So she's morally still in the right. That was a cynical, like, that's what I mean. Like, my brain couldn't help but keep noticing these things because... What am I supposed to attach myself to? Because the premise it opens up with is very compelling of here you have, you know, your your ditzy blonde American who you're in over getting her to head, like. Yeah. Getting to like in over her head in a nightmare. Like there's always that nightmare of if you go away and you get embroiled in something that you cannot escape from because you don't have 
it's, connections it's, to help yeah, you. Yeah, it's fear of the unknown taken to like an immediate degree. And yeah, I just, I, I just because I've seen this before, I couldn't get the giggles about certain things because I was just so bored. I was like, oh, Lucy's just Scarlett Johansson with a blank face pointing a gun. And I actually couldn't fathom why she was doing literally any of the things she was doing other than we need this to go to 19 minutes, which the, which the film struggles to get to. <laughs> struggles to get to. When I said before that this felt like, you know, after the switch, it felt like a different person was writing it. I just could not let go of, in my head, the thought that this is like a... It feels, I feel hesitant to say this because Luc Besson is a prolific filmmaker but like a high school like narrative that's been written like oh this is my cool character that thought just never left my head after uh, a certain point i thought a film school student and with the cuts to the stock footage of animals i was like oh that's so you would see that in second year university of like mm. look i'm edgy i guess Don't you get yeah. the symbolism yeah oh look how badass she is and like i threw in a little you know comedic response from the the cop that she's with Things like that. Like, I think the fact that I kept thinking of that kind of kept me going with, you know, being able to laugh at the film. We did Perfect Blue on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And a discussion about Perfect Blue is that Darren Aronofsky had to, what was it? He had to, like, license or, like, he had to to buy the rights, I think. Buy the rights because he mimicked a scene, specifically the bathtub scene. Yeah. But Perfect Blue and Black Swan have a lot of things in common. Wasn't it Requiem for a Dream? No, no, it's... Or is it Requiem for a Dream? Yeah. But but, but Perfect Blue and Black Swan do have things in common narratively. Like, people mm-hmm. say they're basically the same film. Even if you say they are the same film, the difference is... There is major differences of artistic approach to both films. I could not help but watch Lucy and feel like what you're talking about of that high school student or young person who's like, oh, I like this thing and this thing and this thing, so I'll just do them. I, and I don't know if you agree with this, but it's ironic, actually. Oh, my God. I'm fuck- it's ironic because of who the lead actress is. I kept thinking of Ghost in the Shell when watching this, <laughs> of having a badass lead female character who's very dry and emotionless do her job very efficiently. But again, Ghost in the film is more complex. Ghost in the film's lead character is actually uh has emotions and actually has an arc and a drive and a purpose. But I couldn't help but think of like, how would Satoshi Kon, for instance, handle the Lucy like if he did Lucy as an animated movie? Mm. How I kept thinking about like this film is aping from so many different pieces. And I just kept thinking, what if those original pieces I'm thinking of did this movie? And that's all, I, like, that's another element of, like, I was so detached from what was going on. I, I did that thing that I personally love doing with flawed movies of thinking about, like, how you could fix them. Or mm. if this was in another person's hands, what would it, what, how could it have turned out better? Yeah, definitely. I was thinking of Ghost in the Shell and, yeah, not even the Scarlett Johansson version that came out a few years later, but, you know, we did it like a, less than a dozen episodes ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that one dealt with uh, yeah, personhood, personhood and autonomy, autonomy and... and like machines and connecting yourselves to them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And um, like I've mentioned before, just off podcast, like recently I've been watching a lot of like skits made by that YouTube channel, Man Carrying Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, has, and he has the occasional one where 
it's about like that story you wrote in high school and they're all like, you know, edgy and like what you were saying, like things that you like at the time, um, pretentious in some ways and, and yeah, just making yourself seem more mature than you really are at that age. And it, it, even though it is Luc Besson and we like other films that he's made before this, it, yeah, it just felt like, felt like a regression in a way. <laughs> Why is this film so dedicated to fast forwarding through things? Because we get the countdown of the percentages. Hmm. Okay. Now, Luc Besson, I know you're not listening, but this is what I mean by fast forwarding. She hits like 20% and her personality is just gone and she's got like superpowers. You fucking need to slow down because the, the, the point of a narrative like this is very tricky because of what I said. We need to have some emotional attachment because Lucy is literally the only character we know. The Asian gangster guy, he's mysterious. He speaks of, he speaks Korean. He, you know, he, we, we only know the bare bones about him. The, the French detective guy that she teams up with, we don't know much about him because we meet him halfway through the movie. Morgan Freeman's character is there just as the guy who justifies scientifically why the premise is working, but it's not like he's a character. Lucy's the only person we can know. And if you start to make her literally, like, not a human anymore, like not something we find tangible, that's a risk. But you can do that because it's science fiction. But it's about the balancing act. It's about the gradients. It's about slowly getting us to that point. But you just, it's like you press skip, 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 and here it is. I think of this, we did Babylon, like we both watched Babylon 5. There's an episode very early on in Babylon 5 called Mind War, in which a character called Jason Ironheart, visits the station, and he has been accelerated in evolution to the point in which he becomes an energy being at the end of the episode. It's only 45 minutes, but that episode expertly made sure that he was still a human throughout the adventure, and over the course of it, slowly became less and less recognizable, not only physically, but mentally as well, so that when he did eventually transcend we could feel something towards it. Lucy. To, to give another analogy that I think more people will be familiar with, you know the galaxy brain meme, how you have mm-hmm. like the multiple levels? Kind of like skips a lot of the middle ones. Yeah, I, I just, again, I have, I have to keep hammering in on like, it's a failure of it's, your protagonist. It, it is interesting though, because I'm thinking back to the point where it did switch and like, let's say, you know, the beginning of the film, she and everyone else was at 10%. The first time we see her elevated is in that scene where she's, like, tied up to the chair, Mm -hmm. and she, like, seduces the guy with, like, you know, her body movements and, like, her wit, and and that's the key word there. Like, she was clearly being more witty there. She had a smile. Uh, Yeah, she had a smile. She was using her brain. She was manipulating this guy uh, to get him into a vulnerable position, and then she did, like, badass action things. And, like, in that moment there, already we see a switch there, and it's like, okay, this this is interesting. But then after that, you get, like, the walking out, and that's where you get to shoot the guy in the taxi. No, no, even before that, she gets shocked. Oh, right, she's at the restaurant. She sits, she sits down, eats food because she's super hungry, because mm. also she's bleeding out. She's super hungry. And, and she pulls a bullet out of herself, and she just examines it with this, like, blank face. And it's like, how are we supposed to, even then, how are we supposed to feel about this, who's supposed to be, like, an average woman, getting shot, and she has no feelings towards it. And here's something, too. 
where in the movie does it say when you get higher percentage of your brain, you no longer feel feelings? If anything, you could argue that if you're using more of your brain, you would be more like aware of emotional stability and like yeah you could say like you get colder but also like maybe your emotions get higher like she's pulling a bullet out of her and she's a robot about it like what she's supposed to only be like a percentage or two higher than what we are at that point like how am i supposed to fucking care Mm. we do get a scene not long after it's when she's on the operating table and she talks to her mom where she uh has a monologue about how she basically remembers anything and everything she's ever experienced, even if it was something that didn't stand out. The bones cracking under yeah, her skin and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like that line where she was like, I remember all thousand kisses you gave me. That was a good line. Um, she but- cries in that monologue, but not when she rips a bullet out of her skin. Yeah. Or when doctors are operating on her belly. Yeah, so I guess the the explanation that we're meant to get from that monologue later on is that I guess at some point she put together all the knowledge she's ever peripherally came across and, I don't know, had some sort of realisation that, like, she'd be fine based on how loose... Like, obviously I'm making excuses here. What you're saying saying (laughs) is what you explore in a feature-length film rather than unsaid in between a scene because literally her shooting that like her getting the gun and her walking out that revelation you're explaining happens between those cuts Mm. in a science fiction film that's the entire film yeah Yeah. (laughs) we need to see her grappling with the fact that she's realizing she can remember things that no human being should ever be she should have concerns about it she should wrestle with it she should actually again Perfect Blue, a great example of a film that does similar things in terms of we see a main character wrestling with their psyche and having memories of things and having to grapple with. And and, and same with, you know, uh, even even though this is a comedic film, but Tokyo Godfathers does the same thing. Where it's like our characters struggle with the fact that the more that they uncover of their past that they've buried, it challenges them on a philosophical, existential, and ideological level. Yeah. I guess, yeah, oh, this character is has done all that, but we want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Uh, or is beyond it. And and this is another one, and I'll, I'll pass stuff over to you because I know I'm kind of going off, but in terms of fast-forwarding, and I never forgave the film for this, she takes care of the Asian crime lord within, like, five minutes and then they're gone for most of the movie, and then they come back randomly at the end, but it means nothing. Like, no, build the whole movie to, like, build yeah. the whole movie that she's using her superpowers to take down the, the the syndicate. But no, in fact, it's like she just gets in there easily, stabs him in the hands for no reason, like, just kill him, and then leaves only so he can come back at the end to do nothing that, that, that's exact that's the, the clarification you made she when she takes care of him she doesn't kill him she stabs him and says like intimidating things to him which he probably wouldn't understand anyway since he doesn't speak english yeah it wasn't like he was <laughs> lying he genuinely doesn't speak english yeah yeah lucy you're the one who can understand but, him now <laughs> but maybe when she put her thumbs on his head and glowing stuff went into his brain. Oh, she gave Maybe him, he understood She now. gave him a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Babblefish ability. I, I was going <laughs> to say she just mind-melded with him, mm. like Star Trek, but yeah. yeah. Maybe, well, maybe she did that. You but... know who produced Star Trek? Luke Besson? Lucy or Ball. 
of I Love Lucy. Oh, My Fair Lucy. Yep, yep. Just bring it back to the beginning. Uh, but yeah, like, I would watch a movie about a girl who got drugs put in her, made her have psychic powers, and then she uses it to slowly build herself up and do like a takedown revenge of an entire... That's video games. Like, isn't that like the Max Payne video? Like, isn't that like the type the, of that's, thing? That's stories. That's revenge film. Yeah. This film says, I don't want to do that. This is like a rape revenge film without the rape. Yeah. 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 This film says, I don't want to do that. So what does it want to do? I actually can't tell you what it wants to do. Like in between those things, yeah, it's when, kind of meanders about. Well, before when you mentioned fast forwarding, the immediate thing that came to my mind was that, you know, throughout the film, we do get like increases of 10%. Um, throughout it, and there's like mm -hmm. an, an elevation of the power. So even at that like base level, you know there is an interest there of like, oh, so what's she going to be able to do next? But then the last forty to fifty percent is all within mm -hmm. like the last ten minutes of the film. So even then, it it fast forwarded its its pacing that it established. And so, yeah, you did get like, oh, this is what she has, 60, 70, 80, 90, and then she hits 100. But that's all within like five, 10 minutes. And it really does feel like they wanted to get the film over with. So even even you made the joke before about how like, oh, it was really struggling to fill it. But it almost felt like, well, did it have to? Because you could have just spaced those bits out a bit more and did more with them. Yeah, yeah. But what's it spacing it out with? Yeah, I guess that's the point. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, it's struggling to get to 90 minutes because... Outside of just saying what the premise is, it has nothing to follow through on with material. It's, it's not interested in the philosophy or the existential dread that could come from such a thing being true. It's not really wanting to go through the sci-fi mumbo-jumbo of it because it does that in one scene and then just says, you get it. It doesn't want to be the revenge story. It doesn't want to be like the crime action. Like At most, it wants to be an action movie. And it does that, but again, we don't have any stakes. I'll bring this up. Everyone knows this. It's iconic. John Wick is a film franchise in which you root for John Wick to keep murdering people because they stole his car and killed his dog. It's it's comedic how much that, that film franchise leans on how simple it is that you root for him because people fucked him over in the most, like, you know, obvious way, but it's like, it's played sincerely. So you actually feel like, yeah, John, you go after them and destroy this entire crime family because they killed your dog and stole your car. Uh, Lucy doesn't have, like, it's not even interested in the, they killed your dog and stole your car. Nah, just stab him in the hands and walk off. Just, you know what I always find hokey? And I've said this uh, with some sci-fi. I miss science fiction where you can look at things via screens and buttons. I'm really sick of the, you just have a CGI thing in front of you and your character just does, or your actor, I should say, just waves their hands about. Like touch screen, but in the air. Yeah, and I know Lucy's doing this telepathically, I guess, but it's so corny to me. It just looks so cool. Like when you go on IMDb, one of the pictures you see first straight off of pictures is uh, Scarlett Johansson with a doe-eyed expression wiggling her fingers at some CGI nonsense in the air, and I'm just like... Yeah, Matrix text in a car or something. Uh, yeah, I just... Like, I wish there was more I could really talk about, because obviously people want to hear us riff on the whole, like, it gives really out there and extreme, because she becomes, like, 
super saiyan level and and she lifts people in the air and she maybe you know for all of her power sets she doesn't really use a lot of powers when you think about it until key points and oh it becomes crazy where does she time travel and she connects and she gathers up the entire history of the universe and puts it on a usb stick yeah that's all wacky and crazy but it's actually for my money meaningless and boring and dull when you actually get there because like when 2001 a space odyssey does all of that crazy stuff it's like had atmosphere the entire time lucy doesn't have atmosphere so it's just Oh, that happens, my, and then the movie ends. My my biggest laugh was when the movie ended, because it ended on what the film treated as a really poignant line. It was something like, we were given life a billion years ago, now you know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I laughed really hard at that, because like, what do we know to do? Yeah, now we just have scientific data, but what does that mean? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Lucy. And also it ends with like pop music plays, and like, Okay. It wants us to become super powerful. I just want to say in Babylon 5, when Jason Ironheart was transforming, he says, I am becoming. And you just said, like, become. It makes me think, but uh, what were some elements of the movie that either worked for you or didn't, or things that you want to pick apart? I did find it funny. I mentioned before, I really like the 70% mark because that's where she got Venom symbiote. <laughs> We've seen Venom. We've seen Venom now. And, and this it had, came out before. Yeah, it did. And it had a similar effect of like I mentioned in the Venom episode when you asked me, like, was there something you liked? I mentioned that I did like it when the little symbiote was like separate and it was like all, you know, with tendrils out and moving and stuff, tendrils. Yeah. And we got a bit of that when she hit the 70% mark. And then you get that nice dubbed in line from Morgan Freeman, like, it's connecting to the machines. <laughs> <laughs> this film is one that is constructed post production. A lot. Like, there's a lot of, clearly in post, they saw this wasn't working, and they needed to explain things or plug in lines. I also mentioned last week, like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to say that this is not a Hollywood film, because, you know, it's apparently a French film, but I see it more now. Like, all the minor characters are French. Oh, oh yeah, that's what yeah. I remembered. was, a, and, and, and it's weird, because the Asian crime gang is Korean, but they're not in Korea. Yeah, they're in Taiwan, apparently. Interesting choice. Don't know why, but okay. Apparently, sure. Taiwan is really pumped about the fact that you know Taiwan featured in this film for a fair portion. So I mean, that's I, cool. good for them. It makes you look shitty, but good for you. <laughs> it looks like a fucking awful place, full full of crime, and no one cares, and um, you get stabbed in the back at any turn. Uh, there is and the taxi driver seemed nice. The surgeon seemed nice. At gunpoint. At gunpoint. At gunpoint. They weren't swearing at her when she I was surprised that the surgeon spoke such fluent English, by the way. Like, he was so fluent. And maybe there's a... Like, sure, I guess that happened. It was just so funny because she encountered nothing but people who couldn't. Well, she shot someone because they couldn't. Oh, was that... And that was a bit before her brain fully learned languages that weren't her own. She had learned, like, visual, like, written stuff. Like, we saw the special effect, which I laughed at, of the sign in the hospital saying, like, radiology, just transform into English. (laughs) It was very amusing. Uh, Yeah, I just... So, any other stuff you want to mention? Um, The cop was perfect, wasn't he? What a nothing character. (laughs) Why did they even... Like, 
The reason you bother is because you can't follow Lucy as she becomes a nothing. So you need someone who's a human being near her, but... When they kissed, that was the most what-are-you-doing thing for me in the film, I think. That was laugh out loud. Like, oh. why are you even trying at this point It's like this? They, they, The thing was like, wait, stop, and then they like got closer together. I'm like, in a normal, like in another film, they would kiss, but that wouldn't make sense for this film. And then they kissed. I'm like, oh, shows me. <laughs> I know this doesn't really matter, but if this was an anime, mm-hmm. like if this was animated and it was presented the same way, would we think this is more poignant than it is? Because when I see it in live action, I do think it's inherently goofy, but I kept thinking of like, if this had the aesthetics of paprika, would I think this is more profound than it is? Mm, if Satoshi Kon did it. I kept thinking yeah. about Satoshi Kon doing this. I'm like, man, he would have really sunk his teeth into this. Like, he would have really gone for it. Mm, I was thinking of paprika a fair bit, yeah. I don't know. I kept thinking about like, if this was an anime... Would I take it more seriously? Because there's a certain like mindset when you go into that, but when you see a live action movie with Scarlett Johansson cocking a gun, there's certain mm. like, okay, well, this what? is like a action movie, and on an action movie level, it's not really that compelling. And on a sci-fi level, it's also not. Well, with Paprika, we both are kind of in agreement. It's like, oh, it's not his best of the four that he did, but the visuals of it really are what at least I remember from, like all the dream sequences, Mm. the colour, the fluidity of the animation. So, yes, if seeing this film like an animated form and like all those weird, trippy, like time-lapse things being done fluidly would be something to marvel at. Like, wow, someone, you know, created all of this. Not to say that this film they didn't create it, but seeing it in animation. Yeah, there's something about animation. CG. Sometimes it takes away, sometimes it works. When she's like changing her hair color in CG in live action, I just thought, why, why do that? But if it was an animated project and that happened, I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. I don't know. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Can I recommend people to check out a film called uh, Under the Skin? which Scarlett Johansson did roughly around the same time as this, in which she plays an alien that has come to visit Earth, and she seduces men to take them back into her weird alien lair to drain them of their like bodily fluids and nutrients and stuff. Very similar in ways to this, but also very different. And I just wanted to flag that up as like something to check out as like a good example of having your lead character be this inhuman, emotionally devoid person, but also, and also has Scarlett Johansson, but it's really good and you actually feel things. I, I don't know. It's a, it's worth checking out. I just, I kept thinking about that too. I'm like, oh yeah, under the skin is like something that scratches the itch of this a little bit more. And if you're into that, the first half of that premise sounded very similar to Alien Intruder. It did. It did. Uh, but uh, let's at least talk about the, the ending when she becomes a USB. It's funny, right? Like, I found it very mm. funny. I don't I, take I, it seriously. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't I, think I can take it the way Luke Besson wants me to. It's this, like, <laughs> profound thing. I was like, it has the, the, the stars of Orion on it, so you know what it means. I just couldn't help but laugh at Morgan Freeman being handed a USB, being like, oh, this is so important. I'm like, yeah, Morgan, we know you love money. 
I, I saw it as her producing one, but yeah, it seems like everyone interprets it as her becoming it. That is, that makes it much sillier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you saw it in the cinema and now, venom what, is, what is that her. Venom USB her becoming to the be, to be honest, weirdness? I, to be honest, I did not remember the exact ending. I remember her vanishing. And, like, she's everywhere now, but I didn't remember the USB thing. I like that she was in a chair everywhere. Like, she's sitting <laughs> in a chair, and it's just, here she's in Times Square, here she is in the past. And she's I liked, still sitting, the chair goes with her. Yeah, I liked um, our antagonist's confusion when she vanished from the chair, and he just, like, spun it and was, like, yelling at the, at the scientists. <laughs> How did he get in there? Uh, through the door. Yeah, but <laughs> I also liked his evil henchman guy that they for some reason tried to set up as important like when there was like 10 minutes left of the movie like like he had this other brooding evil henchman oh, guy. The, the one from the hospital yeah yeah like i know i'm exaggerating but he really feels like late in the game and in introduction i don't even remember him in the hotel he had all these other guys that we saw get killed, but I don't remember a this lot guy. Of, a lot of his other henchmen got, like, equal focus, so if he was there, like, I really couldn't tell you. I remember, like, the big guy, you know, the kind of bigger guy who we see, he's, like, the one that's still, like, dying as she walks in after shooting through the door. We had, like, the his main right-hand man guy who was, like, a guy with a little bit of facial hair and thinning up top a bit, and then... um obviously boss henchman and of course the translator on the phone uh <laughs> i love that see i love that type of stuff where you have this brooding menace but there's a bit of humor to it because the gangster guy is still covered in blood he's trying to light his cigarette he's very disappointed yeah the, the humor worked a lot more in that beginning bit than the rest of the film where it kind of felt like well the, the character's kind of beyond how she was in that first part so it feels like the film kind of should be I liked a review I read where someone rated this film negatively by saying, if you just want to see Scarlett Johansson's tits, watch another movie. I'm like, I don't even think that's the appeal of this movie. But then I watched it. I'm like, I guess it is, isn't it? Because it is about her sex appeal. It's like Luc Besson's like, look at her in a little white t-shirt with a black bra bra, bra underneath. And the shirt gets more ripped and torn <laughs> as it goes along. And she's jiggling and bouncing what? everywhere. And I'm like, it really is that. Weren't huh? some people saying that this film was like semi in jest? Like, oh, if, if Marvel's not going to make the Black Widow movie, then this is it? Yeah, basically. And they did like, they make the Black Widow movie. And it was also bad. So... And too late. Better to be early than late. Uh, I have nothing else to say about Lucy. It, it, like, I don't like it. It, it because the biggest crime is it has potential that it doesn't even try to explore. Mm. It, it definitely. I got that sense watching it this time. I still don't hate the film, um, but me kind of laughing at it was one of the main things I took out of it. Yeah, and that is. Lucy, thank you so much for bringing this across our desk. It has haunted us for a little while. We've mentioned it a few times on the pod and off the pod. Lucy has come up. So I was actually a bit surprised when it actually was brought on to the pod. I'm like, yeah. oh, I guess we're finally yeah, Last it. week when you were like, why, why are you recommending that? I'm like, why wouldn't I recommend it? <laughs> I guess so. I was expecting <laughs> you to be like Valerian when you said Luke, when it was like Luke Besson. I don't know much about Valerian. Exactly. I thought you're like, oh, I don't know much, but it looks really wacky. And Will and I have talked about it. So you're like, maybe, mm. I'll, but no, no, Lucy. Mm. I, I do want to see Leon the Professional again. My dad showed me that. I really liked it. I remember. 
if we did that, there would be a lot of discussion about Luc Besson's um, inclinations as a man, but that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> uh, so it's my turn for a recommendation, and I was looking over the list just before we recorded, and I was like, okay, there's some films that I feel are a good follow-up to this, and so I'm going to go with one that was created and directed by the man who did the special effects for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. This film is called Silent Running. That is the name of the film. It's a 1970s science fiction film starring Bruce Dern, father of Laura Dern. Hmm. Bruce Dern is an actor who's been around the block. You may have seen him in something over the years or may not have. I'm not I too feel sure. like we have. Have we seen him in something already on the show? Uh, I'm not too sure if we've seen him on the show. I cannot recall, I've but we'll heard, find out. Definitely heard you talk about him before. Bruce Dern, yeah. I, I'm trying to think what you'd know him from, but then I was like, oh, you haven't seen that one. He was in Hateful Eight. Um, <laughs> right. So he was great. He was... He plays angry people, but Silent Running will be the one to go off of because it's a sci-fi film. It's, uh, again, it has that 2001 A Space Odyssey connection. I will say this, and this is my little spiel, and then we'll watch it. The creator, the like the guy, uh, Doug, Doug Trumbull, I think it was the man's name, who directs this, he was so depressed working on 2001 A Space Odyssey because he felt it was so inhuman, mm. like so cold, that he wanted to make a science fiction film that was deeply human. Okay. And that's Silent Running. We are on YouTube and Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts while it remains and all of the other podcasting sites if you have not rated and reviewed the podcast you really ought to isn't that right Bartzik? that's a good idea have you no wow is it ethical to rate and review my own i mean podcast? have you listened to it yeah did you like it yeah i then love it should. it's great you should then yeah it's not biased if i like it well you listen to it at least yeah I, li I haven't listened to any pictures power episode though so does that well that's our well, main we thing put that in your review <laughs> so I haven't actually listened to Pictures Powwow, but, but Spit and Polish Presents is great. My favourite episode is actually the Mystery Box one about-, about I've listened to all of the Mystery Box. About, <laughs> yeah, of course. About Betaville and the wacky <laughs> tank that they have. You know, I think, I think there, was, um, there was a line in Lucy where, I think it was Morgan Freeman's exposition where he's like, think about all the things humanity has created. And it showed like, you know, people like flying and things like that. And the, the pilot in the fighter ship- Reminded me of the pilot in the fighter ship in the stock footage of Betaville. So I was like, oh, yeah, humanity created Betaville. <laughs> so it's very apt that you bring it, it up now. It is true. It is true. It did create the film Betaville, starring That's... Judge Reinhold. And John Aston. <laughs> and, and John Aston. Can we watch Betaville again? <laughs> I was very sleepy the first time we watched it. I oh, well, thank you all so much. <laughs> Until next time, remember to be kind to each other or else. I was, after I finished watching the movie, Lucy, I messaged Oliver like, huh, Lucy was sillier than I remembered. And did Oliver appreciate that comment? I, I think he did, but then he like launched into a tirade about, yeah, something, something message become a fucking USB. Um, and then I wrote down the quote that the film ends on, like the, you know, life a billion years ago, now you know what to do with it. And he responded with a Doctor Who quote mm -hmm. and I got scared and stopped talking. What was the Doctor Who quote? 
Uh, Please I, I, I tell can, me. I, I know Doctor Who. It could be an important quote. And Oliver is a coward. Should have come on this podcast and complained in person. No, but no, I, just going to leave it in messages. Disappointing. Now you're bringing up Doctor Who quotes? I'm the Doctor Who fan here. Don't you dare. I was actually talking about Doctor Who before we recorded. I was on the phone to my sibling talking about Doctor Who. Bartek walked in. He was like, whoa, ho, ho, Doctor Who. I'm going to mention that on the podcast. And here we are. Yeah, I didn't forget. Isn't that cool of me? Very sexy of you. But what was the quote? Uh, life is easy, simple, nature's way of keeping meat fresh. Thank you, sure, why not?